welcome back to Therefore Podcast. I'm Megan Martin. I'm Judy Mustaine. And we are moving ahead with our our study through Job. And Judy and I were just sitting here talking about Job chapter eight, because that's where we're starting today. And um, well, Job has great friends, great friends, three great. great friends. When we did talk about that, like there's three of them that he has to defend himself against, which maybe isn't coincidental, three friends. But what were you saying at first? Like we're kind of skimming through with Job chapter eight, because Bildad is um, the next person up to bat with Job. And we just kind of said he's basically like, he's like Eliphaz, maybe a blunter version of Eliphaz. You know, it's always amazing to me that, um, you know, Job has already told his story and kind of stated his case to Eliphaz, but it's as if Bildad doesn't hear anything that he's said. And he says, how long shall the words of your mouth be like a mighty wind? I mean, like they, that they mean nothing, that right. anything that you have said so far means nothing. And, um, you know, wow, um, that was right, pretty insidious. And well, and then, you know, I think sometimes we get upset because, I mean, these are his Christian friends. His good encouraging. His good encouraging friends. And, you know, and sometimes we somehow forget that our Christian friends are human. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, they just have Jesus in their heart. You know, man, please, I don't want anybody to judge me for my humanness. Um, please don't hold that right on me. Um, because there's times that I say things that I shouldn't say. I say stupid things. Yes, and do things that I shouldn't do, and I don't want that held against me. Right. You know, but it seems like they're holding that, you know, on him. You know, I, I can remember somebody said one time, well, they were a Christian, and they said that as if somehow they can't have errors Right. In their life. I like to hold on to that um, that adage that is like, the church isn't, doesn't make you perfect. It's just full of people who know that they need Jesus. Like, I know that I'm messing up. That's so right. if you're coming to church and expecting to be around perfect people, sorry, that's not going to happen. Thank you. We we just recognize that we need Jesus. Well, we do. And, and you know, we have to give grace to people. We want grace given to us. Right. You know, and like I always say, you can't. Um, go to church and when you see somebody mess up or that they were doing something that week that is against your ideas or ideology of what a Christ-like person should look like and then you see him on Sunday worshiping the Lord and it's frustrating to you, but um, you don't quit the church because of that. Right. It just means that they messed up somewhere along the way and are hoping to find grace yeah. back in the house. And, you know, just like I've always said as I might go to a restaurant and they mess it up, but it doesn't keep me from going out to eat because they messed that up. You know, I'm still going to go out to eat. You know, you still go back to church. You still um, give grace to people when they mess up on Saturday night. You know, it doesn't mean you want to mess it up every Saturday night. It just means give them grace. Right. Yeah. Right. We were laughing because uh, Charles Spurgeon referred to Bildad as um, saying that Job was full of hot air, basically. (laughs) That strong wind, full of hot air. What else did we see through here? We were talking about, oh, his spider web. Right. His spider web of faith or whatever he said here. Yeah, he said that he said you have like, your trust is like the trust in a spider web. What does that mean? I wouldn't think it would be very strong. Well, right. Yeah. I think of that like I'm going to start karate chopping my way through. Right. Like that's what happens when I see a spider web. I become a ninja. Suddenly I I have all these moves that, Yes. yes. When he, he talks about Bildad, he's he's talking to him and he's he's 
referring to him as a person who's forgotten God, you know, and that he's, then he tells me, he said, well, the hope of the godless shall perish, you know, sometimes when we walk through things, it doesn't mean that we've forgotten God, you know, and he has just assumed because of the calamity that's come upon him that he has somehow forgotten God. And, and that's not true, right. you know, and sometimes we, I think we even have a tendency to look at somebody on the outside and because maybe they don't respond in ways that I would respond or respond in ways that we think that they should means that they somehow have forgotten God in their heart. And that's not true either. And, you know, we just always have to remember that, you know, the presence of your problem doesn't mean the absence of God. I was looking here about the spider web part, and it says, this commentary that I'm reading says, a spider's web for for this person reminds them of something that is formed with great art and industry, and yet is slender and feeble. So it looks good, mm. but it doesn't uh, hold up. It has no strength in it. Yeah. Yeah. So what he's insinuating, if that's true, if that's what they're insinuating, it's that Bildad is saying, hey, you, your, your faith has looked good for quite a while, but clearly you're just, whoa, you're going to fly away in the wind. Wow. I mean, he's really telling him that his strength is feeble. Isn't that ironic? Because didn't Eliphaz say, didn't Eliphaz tell him you were the one that people came to? For bolstering. One. He said, you're the one that everybody looked to for yeah. wisdom. And yeah. so how are you going to respond to this? And Bildad's almost saying, well, it looked good from the outside, but you clearly had no substance. Wow. That's harsh. That's harsh. These are maybe people that I want to talk to in heaven and say, I just want to know how you feel now. Like, I just want to know. <laughs> now that you have the telescope view. I mean, you know, you always want that friend yeah. that tells you what you don't want to hear. But sure. like, I don't know that these are the friends. You know what I'm saying? I always want that friend to take, be like, you know, Judy, that's probably not the way to go. But man, these guys were a little rough. They Well, just because they're missing. They're missing a big picture. They are missing the big picture. And it's really not even their fault that they're missing the big picture. Even Job is missing the big picture. Right. But the whole, the whole place is missing the big picture. Right. Which is just so funny and should actually be a fantastic reminder to us that we never know. Man. That we never know. That when we're judging all those other people, because you know we do. Yeah. You know we do. Well, they're whatever's going on in the world, yeah. whatever's happening to them, whatever. You know, I think I'm probably less likely to judge people for what is happening to them or what they're going through trial-wise than I am just for judging them. Like For their response to that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think, though, that this is probably a great reminder that that's not okay, that we don't know the big picture. And we say it. We Well, walk a mile in their shoes. or And even then, so what? Walk a mile in Job's shoes. You would have – you would still be just as confused yeah. and not have the understanding and insight you never know what's going on behind the scenes. No, we have no idea. And we really don't know the responses of their heart. You know, um, sometimes they don't always show that. So yeah, Bildad is Eliphaz part two. But Job comes back in chapter nine. <laughs> Basically, he's like, he kind of actually agrees with him at the beginning. Which he's we kind said, of feeling bad. He's like, he, well, maybe I am. Yeah, he did that with Eliphaz too. He yeah. was kind of like, well. And then he comes out of it. Right. And then he's like, he kind of, 
I don't know if you process. know people who do this. My husband does this a lot. He'll start with one argument and talk himself full circle until he's <laughs> talked himself out of it. I kind of wonder if that's what Job's doing here. Like, <laughs> yes, I know that's true. And what you're saying is is correct. But then he starts thinking and like talking his way through it and comes out on the other side like, never mind. Yeah. You're, you're wrong. Well, maybe Job's like me. I have to like, I process through talking. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, isn't it funny that he, at the very beginning, he, like you said, he kind of agrees with him, and but then he begins to talk about the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, and he begins to talk about how God is wise and hard and, you know, um, he's mighty in strength. And he shares all these things that God yeah. has done, is doing. Yeah, I mean, he begins is. to share his mighty works, yes. who he is, his the characteristics, the strength of the Lord. Um and I think many times when we begin to share the strength of the Lord and the characteristics of the Lord, we begin to change in our thought processes um, and faith begins to ignite inside of us. Yeah. Well, and it seems like Job here is struggling with that. I mean, what verse is this? He says, but how can a man be righteous before God? Well, he says, Job answered and said, truly, I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with him, like if you want to take on God, like, you know, not take on, that's a bad, that's a bad translation. But if you want to deal with him, that's our way of saying, like we say all the time, God's dealing with us on something. If you want to deal with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. And then he goes into this whole like, so it's almost like he feels like. Job knew what his life was like, and he's saying, how can a man be righteous before God? Like, He sees his own humanness, I think, in this moment. Right. Like, he's like, if I've done all of this right, and I'm getting punished because of this, like, who else? Yeah. Who else could do this? Because, like, and he's not saying that he's perfect. That's a, a different version of righteousness. Not, he's just talking about, like. He understands that he's righteous and that he is living as God has directed and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And and he says, if I'm the one, if I'm going through all this and I've lived like this, what hope is there? Yeah. You know, and I think he feels like, you know, God has all this might and all these power and he's done these great, fantastic things. And I think he feels just so far away from him. And I think it's sometimes it's easy. Um to feel like the heavens are as brass as they say when you walk through things. And, and like I always say that sometimes God isn't always sensual. You don't always hear him. You don't always see him. You don't always feel him. And, and all you can go by is what's going on around you. And you, that's in those moments is that that's when you trust, when you don't see, hear and feel. That's where faith comes in. That's where, you know, standing on the word comes in when you've done all you know to do stand. And, and, um, I think he's, trying to be in this moment. You know, sometimes our standing is is a little wobbly. <laughs> yes. You know, in in these moments of hardship and these moments of calamity, um we feel a little shaky trying to stand. And sometimes we need propped up. Yeah. We we need a little bit better friends nah. know, to prop us better friends. But you know, and I love what he's, you know, he's telling Bill that he, you know, he's talking about talking to the Lord and he said, "Well, if I called and he answered me, He's like, why wouldn't I believe that he listened to me? And, you know, sometimes we feel like when we pray, 
that the Lord doesn't hear us. Like once again, that heavens are its brass. But he said, if I call to him, what makes me think that he wouldn't hear me? That he wouldn't hear my voice? You know, sometimes we forget that he hears our voice, you know, and, and we also sometimes forget that, that there is a heavenly realm. Um, you know, in Daniel, the Bible says that when you first prayed, I sent the answer. Mm-hmm. In that moment, when I heard your voice utter the words, I sent an answer at that very moment. But it took 21 days before the answer to reach, you know, yeah. our, our quote-unquote natural realm, you know, and I think sometimes we forget that. You know, there, there's a fight behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Uh, right. To keep yes. the answer from getting to us, you know, and sometimes it's in those 21-day periods, Not, I'm just saying that loosely, yeah. but that we forget that the Lord is working behind the scenes, that that he's bringing an answer, that he's been bringing an answer for 21 days. Right. But we don't know that. It never says in Daniel that he heard God, seen God, felt God anywhere. But God said, I've been moving since you prayed. And, and you know, that should give us hope to know that he's been moving since we prayed. And just because we don't see it or hear it or feel it doesn't mean he's not moving. Job down here says, uh, verse 21-ish, says, I'm blameless, yet I don't know myself. Like, I think I'm blameless, but maybe I, maybe I don't know myself as well as I think I do, you know, which is such a, I mean, that's a very human characteristic there. We know what we know, but God has this amazing ability to reveal things beyond that. And sometimes it takes struggle. And so we, we know, we know today, we know that we sometimes go through things like a refining fire. (laughs) Not pleasant, but beneficial on the other end. Job's not even really going through that because he, that's, that's not God's intention. I think we'll see later that, you know, Job does actually repent of something, but that kind of starts here when he starts questioning, like his, in these words, contending with God, that he's he realizes maybe he shouldn't be trying to contend with with the Lord, the Creator, God Almighty. But it does say here that he says he thinks he's blameless, but he just doesn't know. He doesn't know himself well enough to have a completely clear conscience. Don't you think it's in those moments that he, I mean, it sounds to me like he's taking this inward look at who he really is. Um, yeah. I think the Lord has this way of always sending us inward before we can ever move forward. And the things that he has for us. He ends up saying that like that God laughs at the plight of the innocent. And there's a little bitterness coming out in that. At this moment, he feels like God is distant and silent. And and he's not, he's not being comforted. We've talked about this every week so far. God strengthens him but doesn't comfort him yet. So he does feel like God is distant. And he's struggling with not feeling that connection with God that I'm sure he's used to feeling. I'm sure, Judy, I bet you've been in that position before. Like I know I have where I feel like I'm doing everything right. Yeah. I'm I'm spending time in the word. I'm praying. I'm, I'm living quote unquote righteously. You know what I mean? Not, not perfectly, but you're living life as you feel like, like you're on a good path. And sometimes you still lose that sensical connection to God. 
Well, sh- sure. You know, it, it seems to happen to, to all of us. Yeah. You know, and many times in those moments, I have to remind myself that it's in those moments that I seek him a little bit more. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because you're like, no. Yeah. I, like, where are you at? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And isn't it funny that the Lord does this thing that before we knew him, he seeks after us, you know, and God doesn't have to seek after anything. I mean, really? I mean, the diamond that's buried in the earth, he put it there. He doesn't have to seek for he anything. Knows. He knows. And so the Bible says that the only thing that the Lord seeks after is a worshiper. And so he seeks after the, somebody that will worship him. And then when when we turn our hearts to him, he's like, it's almost like tag you're it. Yeah. And then you begin to run and seek after him. And so when you feel like that pull away, you're like, where are you at? Right. Where are you been? Like, I, I need you beside me. You know, um, I know in my life, you know, maybe if um, the kids and I have been gone and I feel that, you know, distance, even if it's just, it's nothing bad. It's just maybe I've been on yeah. a trip. And the first thing I want to do is come into the house and connect with all of my kids you know um during different times in my life when all of my kids are under the same roof it's the best sleep I'm ever going to get you know because they're all there right everybody's okay they're all safe and I'm making that connection you know but um I believe that we just that sometimes the Lord kind of allows us to feel that in a just so that we will seek him we call that the pursuit of righteousness. Right. I mean, not just righteousness, but the pursuit of him. Yeah. Isn't it funny that he pursued us so that we could pursue him? At the bottom of chapter nine, Job suddenly has this like sense of condemnation, I guess. Is that a weird way to say that? Like he's, he's down there like, my days are swifter than a runner. They flee without seeing good, without seeing good. They sweep by like boats of papyrus, like an eagle swooping down on its prey. If I were to say, I will forget my complaint and change my expression and smile, I would still dread all of my sufferings. So, you know, basically like I can put on a happy face, but it doesn't change what's inside. Right. I know that you will not acquit me since I am already found guilty. Why should I labor in vain? I'm so curious about that. I know that you will not, this version says, I know that you will not hold me innocent if I am condemned. He feels like he's already been tried and judged, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe even sentenced here. So he doesn't, like, this commentary that I'm reading says it doesn't, he doesn't feel like he's, will do any good for him to cleanse himself before God because he's already been well, condemned. It, it's true. Well, even in verse 32, he said, God's not a mere man that I should answer him. Like we should come together in court. I can't contend with him in like court. Like I couldn't. Right. Man. Um, he's like, there's no umpire. There's nobody to judge, nobody to call the shots on that. You know, I think he's just really trying to figure all this out and, and struggling in his thoughts, you know, and many times when you're grieving and then you have people speaking things, what I would call out of their soul realm or out of the, f- flesh some people would call it um not really having you know the spirit of god leading them in what they're saying so you're having conflicting thoughts and and expressions being spoke to you and and you're having to kind of wade through that trying to navigate through your own thoughts trying to navigate through somebody else's thoughts um and not feeling like you're doing a real good job 
and everything that you thought has now been shaken. So you take care of all of the thoughts that you had, everything that you were rooted in. Reevaluate. And and you feel like you've been put in a sieve and shake until you have nothing left. And you're like, really, I'm not really sure which way's up. But you're grounded. That root in you keeps going back to the Lord. And you're like, but I know that this is who he is. But everything around me is trying to tell me something different. Yes. I think verse 33 is one of the coolest verses of the Old Testament. Yeah. Nor is there a mediator between us to lay his hand upon us both. You know what the coolest thing about all that is? We have that mediator. We do. Job did not, but no, we do. We do. How amazing is that? Mm. To know that like something that we have the, I, I, I can't think of a word strong enough. It's not the, um, the, the pleasure of knowing. It's, it's knowing that we have this, this mediator that God, I mean, this isn't an accident. God knew that we were going to need this mediator long before all of this happened. But the fact that Job says, I need someone to be a go-between. And he didn't have that ability, but we do. Wow. That's good. It is good. He didn't even know his need for the Holy Spirit in that moment, but he's crying out for for him. Job continues on in chapter 10. (laughs) Back to... Back to chapter three, back to chapter, I don't remember, six, (laughs) seven, maybe. I loathe my own life, and I will express my complaint and speak in the bitterness of my soul. I mean. He's on a roller coaster. Yeah, I mean, he just doesn't know which way is up. And I get that. I mean, we've all been through, well, maybe you haven't, and if so, I I hope that you don't ever, but those moments where, like, you are just dealing with so much. And even though you're trying to push yourself through it, you're trying to get to the other side, you're still not there yet. And so even though like you see the end of the tunnel where the roller coaster ends, you're still oh, just right. happen to be at the peak of, of a hill or, a you know, where you can see the end, but you're not there. And I don't even know that Job is there where he can see the end, but he certainly is back up to the peak. Mm-hmm. Or down to the low, whichever extreme you want to look at that as. Like, I want this to be over. I know that God can do that. I'm, you know, previously, right before that, he was like, please take this rod from my spine, I think he said, and stop condemning me. And so he's, he is, he knows that it's, that it's something between him and God. But he's still dealing with, the anger and the bitterness in me. I loathe my own life and I will express my complaint. I like that. I will express my complaint. But then he says, do not condemn me. Let me know why you prosecute me. Wow. I think it'd be hard for me to say, does it seem good to you? Yeah. That you should oppress me. I think that Job is dealing with, I mean, he's going even a step further here. Does it please you to oppress me? I don't, I, you're, you, you said it just a little differently over there, but yeah. yeah. To reject the work of your hands and favor the schemes of yeah. the wicked. Mm-hmm. What? Yes. Job, stop talking. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and I think as the Israelites have said, you know, are, are you for me? Yeah. Are you are, really for me? Are, are you me? really there? You know, and even Gideon would say like, are, are you, are you yeah. for me? Like, are you, I mean, the, it, 
all throughout the Bible, people would walk through things and go, are you for me? Right. Are you against me? They would have these questionable thoughts of if, you know, anytime the hardship happened, they were like, I don't know if God's for me anymore. As if we forget that, you know, the Bible literally says, what happened. Yeah. And, and yeah. we're like, okay, so God said it rains on the just and the unjust that just becoming, because you are a Christian doesn't mean that you're not going to walk through hard times, right. that challenges aren't going to come to you. But isn't it um, ironic that all throughout the word, when people go through a hardship, they're like, Oh God, are you for me? David did it. Moses did it. The Israelites did it. Gideon did it. You know, all throughout. We do it. We do it. Thank you. We do it. Are you for me? I've even seen people like leave the church. I mean, because like things didn't happen in their life or they prayed and and it didn't happen or, or they still lost a loved one or something didn't come through like they thought. And, and so all of a sudden they're done with God and man, that's not, that's not how we should be. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I mean, mean, a series of losses should not change our direction. You know, um, with Ruth and Naomi, Naomi, when she had lost her husband and she had lost her two boys, her name means my joy. You know, and when she come back home and, and Ruth is with her and they said, Naomi, Naomi, is that you? And she's like, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me Naomi anymore because it means my joy. He said, she said, I went out full and I come back empty. Call me Mara. Call me bitterness. Man, we should never get to a point in our life that we allow life to change our name. You know, and that it should never come to a place that our heart is so bitter that you know, that, you know, I I talk about how there's that one person that you see all the time at this one place and they're always sad or they're always sarcastic or they can't talk well of someone. And I wish in my heart, sometimes I want to go, what happened in your life that it changed you? Hmm. That, that inside, I know your name might be John or Tom or Susie, but your name really is broken and shattered and bitter. And I didn't think this was going to happen to me. That should be our name because it was that point in life that you were broken, that you didn't think that God was going to bring you through anymore, that you didn't think he answered that question that you quit believing. The whole thing that Job is saying is bitterness talks. Yes. Everything that's come out of his heart is, is hurt. And think, God, that he knows us well enough to know that. Oh my gosh. Because people don't. Thank you. We, we take it personally, but God knows us and knows our hearts and knows that when Job is saying, do you favor the schemes of the wicked? Do you have eyes of flesh? Do you see like men? Are your days like those of mortal? Well, that you know that I'm not guilty and yet you don't deliver me. Those are some pretty rough words. Yeah. You turn and you destroy me. Would you now turn me to dust? Would you curdle me like cheese? Well, there you go. Thank God that he knows our hearts. Thank God for his grace. Yeah, that he knows our hearts and doesn't hold it against oh us my when we say stupid things. Oh, my gosh. You know, I love that the word says that he doesn't hold my sin against me. And I'm glad that when I've said things out of anger and out of hurt, that he didn't walk away from me. Right. 
Well, the Bible says he knows my thoughts are far off, even if I didn't say them out of my mouth. Right. That's exactly it. So we don't even have to, I mean, sometimes we hold these bitter thoughts inside and we don't say them out loud because we don't want other people to know that we are struggling to this degree, but God still knows he does. our thoughts, our hearts. And if we don't like deal with that, right. it will eventually come out. Right. Uh, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It does. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's going to come out of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I say, bitterness talks. And you'll locate yourself by what comes out of your mouth, which is kind of hard. Obviously, we're locating lots of people in Job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Verse 20, he says, Are my days not few? Withdraw from me that I may have a little comfort. Dude. I just you want to say you really don't mean that you don't mean that you don't mean that how many times have we said things that we didn't mean and we said it and we're like oh I really didn't mean that yeah I take it back immediately yeah I mean we know that Job is hurting so we know that God knows it tenfold a hundredfold more than we understand that Job was hurting and knew that that was going to happen knew that that was going to happen and that Job was going to respond in such a way and still set him up as, have you considered my servant Job? I think sometimes we have to remember that God allows us to go through things sometimes for reasons we will never understand, but that there's always going to be a telescope view. And someday when you get to heaven, you can maybe say, what was happening here? Well, and it, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but that I would even be considered. Right. I mean, that he knew that I would make it through, that he knew that I would survive, that I, you know. Do you want to go, no, yeah. please don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> the only yeah. time that you're ever like, please don't notice me <laughs> in such a way. But, yeah. but that whole adage, God disciplines those he loves. This isn't discipline, but it is something that comes to mind when you think of like when people are going through that refining fire and they don't know why and they don't know why God would allow that but to know that God loves you so much that he's just working on making you a better you yeah well you know isn't it amazing like even the three Hebrew boys that were thrown into the fire they said God is more than able to deliver us. Mm-hmm. But even if he doesn't. But even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. Like, God's well able to take me out of maybe this thing that I'm walking through. But even if he doesn't. Right. I was studying the book of Daniel. I don't remember who it was. Whose work I was using to to study. Somebody, somebody, this is not my idea, said that there are three things when you're going through the fire. God can take you through the fire, meaning... He'll see you literally through it. You'll go into it and you will come out the other side. God will um, will take you in the fire. Like you're going to have to face it and maybe perish from it. Like that might be his will or he might rescue you from the fire before you even get there. So there are three things, but either way, God is there in every single, every single scenario. God is there. That's incredible. And God is here now. He is. For Job. 
it's almost like a, I, I, I say this not like a, a, like a theater in the round type of thing where you're seeing, we see yeah. all of it, but the characters themselves have no clue, you know, no. what's happening. No. Yeah, that's, it's tough. Like you have said, it's, it's just our view in the middle of it. It's really hard to see outside of it. So maybe our, our takeaway from this week is that we don't forget that God's there. And wow, to be thankful that we have this mediator. And, and for me, like, that's one of those things when I don't have the words, I truly say, okay, Holy Spirit, you, I'm relying on you to do your moaning and your groaning in a way that God is going to understand because I don't have the words for this, but you do. And God will hear his moans and groans and and know that it reflects for me. So when you're in those moments, and when, especially those moments when God feels far away from you, just remember that you have this mediator that is inside and isn't going anywhere, isn't going to, will not leave you, will not forsake you no matter what, but you have this Holy Spirit inside of you your direct connection. Curtain was torn for a reason. You have a direct connection. Wow. I'm so thankful. Yes. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm glad we don't have to do life without him. I can't even imagine. No. I don't want to imagine, but like when I try to put myself back into like Old Testament times, I'm going, yeah. how did you deal with not having that because I know what happens when I'm disconnected my soul yearns for that connection and you start seeking out I mean I think that's potentially why some people just you have everything in the world but you don't have you're not happy there's nothing you really do have that God-shaped hole and it can only be filled with the Holy Spirit I cannot imagine what it was like no. to live that life beforehand. No. I'm so glad we don't have to. I know. Yeah. Even in, you know, I've said many, many times throughout my life, I would never want to do life without God. I can't even imagine what that would look like. I don't want to imagine right. what that would look like. And I'm thankful, you know, that Jesus said, I, I leave, but I'm sending one. Yeah. And it's better if I leave. Yeah. It's better if I leave so that he can comfort you, that he can right. be your counselor. I mean, everything that I am to you so is he yes i mean i'm i'm the one sending him he's a gift right i mean he he's incredible thankful be thankful yep be thankful for that okay guys so we are going to next week we're going to dive into the next friend final one up to bat and um and then we'll move on from there but we hope you guys have a great week. Um, we hope that you are f- seeking and and building that connection with the Holy Spirit, your mediator. And um, don't forget that he's there. Okay. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>